I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Welcome into the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Thanks to Heritage Digital for sponsoring this first segment of the pod, the news and notes segment, I guess is what you call it. I don't have a name for it. Because there's news, there's notes, there's commentary, there's analysis. It's it's really a, a cornucopia of podcasting, if you will. I am J.C. Sherbert. Hope you guys are having a great Monday, August the 23rd. Uh, when I speak to you next Monday, it's going to be game week. Uh, it's kind of crept up on us. This month has flown by. Uh, Gamecocks just completed their second scrimmage. Uh, you know, first scrimmage, obviously the offense was ahead of the defense offense responded this time. Um, you you know, the run game kind of came out. Marshawn Lloyd was a player that I was told had a spectacular scrimmage. Uh, for those of you that, uh, you know, were wondering about him, you didn't hear much about him, uh, from the practice reports. That doesn't mean anything, you know, when you're kind of getting scooped for practice, it's, uh, you know, it, depending on who you talk to, they'll mention different guys. It doesn't mean certain guys that aren't mentioned aren't standing out. And that was the case with Lloyd. And, you know, it was good to hear Marcus Satterfield talk about him the other day. So some people would quit worrying. And then, you know, lo and behold, he goes out and has a spectacular scrimmage on Saturday. Can't wait to see him play. He's going to be a fun player to watch, guys. Uh, a lot of people forget about him because of the success of Kevin Harris last year. Uh, and the fact that Marshawn was injured. But keep in mind, Marshawn Lloyd was going to start ahead of Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick uh, at the beginning of last season before he tore his ACL. So he was that uh, good in limited action for the Gamecocks in the spring and and in the what little spring they had and then in the summertime. Uh, But Marshawn's a great kid, great player, good person, uh, really embodies everything – about what Shane Beamer and the staff are trying to accomplish at South Carolina. Uh, Oh, and then he's talented on top of that. Uh, A guy that can, you know, jump cut, make you miss in a phone booth, whatever type of football jargon you want to use. Really good. Also good out of the backfield and had a really good scrimmage. Really, really good scrimmage uh, on Saturday. So did Juju McDowell, the freshman running back. He continues to impress. I'll be curious to see how they get him the ball in-game action. Um, and, and so then it gets to the quarterback position. And I heard, by the way, the offensive line had a really good scrimmage as well against what's going to be a hellacious defensive line, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's impossible to predict accurately. Uh, you know, I know there's some question marks at linebacker. I'm not as concerned about linebackers. Still concerned about the secondary. Um, and, you know, sometimes that, when if other teams start running the ball, the the tendency is to – beat up on the D line. And sometimes it's not them. It's your linebackers and uh, safeties and guys like that. But, uh, 
I am reasonably confident about this defensive line, especially rushing the passer, um, you know, against the run, who knows, but uh, uh, against the passer. I, and I was told uh, Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch both, you know, everybody always asks about the five stars, uh, had had really good camps and, and a really on time uh, with the whole thing. Uh, you know, source mentioned to me, Taka Hemingway's playing pretty well. Uh, Amarian Brown, there are some big plays from him, the transfer from Georgia Tech. I mean, you know, people ask about him a lot just because, you know, I felt like when they got him, that was a big deal. You know, South Carolina was losing a guy in Shy Smith that's fast at receivers. Brown obviously is fast. Probably was off on the comparison a little bit with Shy. I, I think they're different players. I think he's more like Demir Bird. But Demir Bird's still in the NFL last time I, I checked. And, you know, Brown can be used in similar ways. He was in COVID protocol along with Tyrese Ross, another Power 5 transfer from Washington State at safety, uh, who also had a good scrimmage. Uh, and so those guys are coming on. Gamecocks need those guys. Gamecocks really need uh, Amari and Brown and Tyrese Ross to, to be playing and, you know, having a good uh, a good deal. I, I don't know if Ross will start or not. Uh, I don't know if Brown will start or not. But uh, I think those guys are, you know, uh, solid, proven players at the Power Five level. That's what that's what this team. If you really look at it, that's what this this team lacks is experience. Um, and that's leading into the opener. I think the biggest concern. I'm gonna get to quarterback in a second. I know that's what you guys want to hear about. Uh, is experience. You know, you have just a lot of players who have talent who have just not played a lot at this level. Um, you know, whether they be freshmen or transfers or whoever. You know, this is a very green football team to a certain extent. So there you go. That's the thing. And uh, But I do think that the offense responding in the second scrimmage, uh, and there's a ways to go on that side of the ball still, but I think the offense responding is exactly what you want. You don't want one side of the ball dominating the other throughout the scrimmages. And I'll tell you, I'll go back to last year again, disappointing year, obviously, uh, but I think everybody kind of knew the limitations of wide receiver going into the season. Nobody knew how good Kevin Harris was going to be. Losing Marshawn Lloyd was a huge deal in the preseason until Harris kind of stepped it up. Um, you know, I, I I don't know that expectations on offense were very high last year. Defense had a lot of good players. Uh, the offense under Mike Bobo with Colin Hill at quarterback and one receiver went up and down the field in the scrimmages against the defense. Uh, consistently last season. So uh, I think what you want, you know, is is going back to normal, you know, exactly what's happened. Defense is ahead of the offense by a good margin for a scrimmage. Offense responds. They'll have a third scrimmage. I don't know that that's going to tell them anything. It's more of a tightening up kind of deal uh, for the weekend. But, uh, you know, that, that, that I think South Carolina, if you, if you describe – you know, just looking at it from a practice standpoint, they're probably on schedule uh, with the exception of one position, and that's the most important position on the field at quarterback. Um, Tony Morrell, uh, my partner for thebigspur.com, said Zeb Nolan, the transfer slash graduate assistant turned quarterback uh, from North Dakota State, Iowa State before that, uh, is probably in the pole position to start game one. I heard he and Jason Brown both had pretty good scrimmages. Um, I think the deal with Nolan, based on what I've heard, has been he moves the team better right now. That doesn't mean Brown can't start. It won't be the starter. I can't rule either one of them out. Uh, I'm just saying right now there's signs pointing towards Nolan getting the start. Now, that's that's both sort of unprecedented uh, and a great story and, you know, obviously calls for concern. But, you, you know, look, guys, I mean – there's a reason Luke Doty was named the starter by Shane Beamer. There's a reason that Luke Doty's injury was significant. There's a reason uh, that Luke Doty was ahead. And I, I know that a lot of people um, want to judge Luke on what happened at the end of last year, which if you judged every Gamecock player on that, you, you'd think this was like a, you know, a terrible team at the bottom of the SEC. Uh, you know, I had one person <laughs> on the message board today, and I knew this was going to happen. You know, they were talking about the Kentucky game, and it's a swing game. Well, gosh, they dominated the Gamecocks last year. Well, you, 
you sort of had the JV team on the field on defense last year. By the time that game rolled around, I don't think they could have stopped anybody. You know, I, I think Vanderbilt would have been a close one. You know, I mean, look at who was playing in that game. Look at what they had at linebacker uh, from an experience standpoint. I mean, it, it the defense was completely gutted by the time they played Kentucky, Georgia and Kentucky. And, you know, you give up 86 points in two games. That's 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 what happens when you trot, you know, guys out there that aren't used to playing their position that, uh, you know, are just out there kind of trying to compete. That's not going to be the case this year, folks. I mean, guys are back. They're not injured. You know, people opted back in. I mean, it's, it's a different deal, you know. Uh, and hopefully, uh, by the time South Carolina plays Kentucky at the end of September – uh, everything's sort of still in, sort of still intact. So I, uh, you know, I, I reject the notion that that game last year meant much of anything. It was not a good game for Luke Doty, by the way, turning the ball over, things like that. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on, on la- those three, ga- two and a half games Doty played last year. And I just don't, I'm just not buying it. I mean, he was thrown out there. At halftime of a game, sparked the team, let it come back. Defense actually played well in that one against Missouri. Uh, you know, 18 for 22 against Georgia. Georgia shut down the run in that game. Uh, Doty had to pass, but he was accurate. Uh, and then, you know, there's uh, there's the Kentucky game, which wasn't his best. And there were some plays in the spring game where his fundamentals left him. I mean, there's no getting around that. But, you know, that's not the norm, you know, as far as what they've been seeing in practices and, and things of that nature. I do wish Luke could have scrimmaged because um, I think that tells you a lot. But, uh, you know, you, you look at it and, you know, he may be back by Eastern Illinois and all this may be, you know, moot. Uh, but my guess is he's not. You know, my guess is, is that, you know, it's going to be Nolan or Brown making the start. And, um you know, we'll just see and go from there. You know, I, I don't know about East Carolina and, and that game either. Uh, but, uh, you know, the hope is Luke Doty makes it back. Now, okay, so why is Zeb Nolan on the catbird seat as far as starting? You may say, J.C., just, you know, he just kind of got activated a week ago. That's Well, you know, it's experience. You know, he, he's been a starting quarterback at the Power 5 level. He's been a starting quarterback at the FCS level as recently as the spring. Um you know, Brown hasn't played since 2019. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, I think that's the deal, uh, you know, and, and whoever between those two, you know, has a better idea of where to go with the ball and moves the team. Uh, and my understanding was that was Nolan from, you know, to a certain extent on Saturday night. They're, they're the ones that are going to start. Yeah, You know, look, and I'm not – I'm going to say this, you know, everybody went through the Colin Hill thing last year. Um, again, there was no conspiracy to bench Ryan Holinsky. Uh, It just didn't work out for Ryan. Okay. And Hill was the best they had. Uh, and then they went with Doty at the end, but, um, you know, try to spark it because obviously that Missouri game, Hill was going absolutely nowhere because they too stacked the box. Uh, and Carolina's going to run into that this year. You know, they're going to run into a situation probably a lot, you know, especially from week three on where other teams are just going to sell out and stop the run and say, all right, you you can beat us passing, do it. And you're going to have to have somebody that can execute, you know, when teams do that, there are open receivers, you know, most of the time and big plays to be had most of the time. Uh, But you got to have a guy that can execute. And whether that's Zeb Nolan or, Jason Brown is to be determined. Like I said, Zeb probably has the the leg up at this point, Uh, but you don't know. They haven't announced it yet, and we'll see. You know, I I think Jason Brown has come a long way since the spring. Uh, And, you know, I know he had some nice passes in the spring game against some reserves when he hooked up with EJ Jenkins. I think he's got a really nice release. Uh, I think there's tools there. He's He's a kid that worked really, really hard. Uh, a positive energy guy. Um, you know, there's a lot to like about Jason Brown as a player. Uh, and then there's a lot to consider and like about Zeb Nolan too. I mean, I, I you know, you, you look, 
you know, he hadn't had a season where he threw for 3,100 yards like Brown did. Um, he struggled in the spring season last year at North Dakota State, eventually lost his job. Uh, he was at Iowa State and had the job and then got Wally pipped by Brock Purdy, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, you know, and, and, and when you have a guy like this who – Look, we, in life, life is a lot like football. Football is a lot like life. Let me let me rephrase that. So, um, and I've always been told this, football is an allegory of life. Sometimes in life, when you get another chance, I mean, you know, not everybody gets a second chance. Um, that's just life. And sometimes when you get that second chance and, and you've thought about it and reflected on it, you know what you did wrong. And if you had it to do over, this decision, this decision, you know, and, and you think about that, that's human nature. And when you get that second chance, sometimes you thrive. Sometimes you don't old habits die hard. Um, looking at Nolan and evaluating him, I, you know, people, the, the people that compare him to Colin Hill aren't watching the two. They're fundamentally different quarterbacks. Um, Nolan, his game is more similar to a Steven Garcia or Jake Bentley, kind of a gunslinger, almost trust his arm too much. That's gotten him in trouble before. Um, you know, more mobile than Hill. Uh, Hill was almost the type of quarterback that, like, you know, to the extreme, almost was worried about making a mistake. He lost faith in his receivers last year. And that's part of the problem because you can't be that worried about it, you know, if you're a quarterback. Because I've seen quarterbacks melt down. Uh, and and play horribly because they're not willing to go to an open receiver. You know, they're not trusting it, that kind of thing. Uh, Zeb Nolan, I don't think he's got any problems trusting things. Uh, if anything, he trusts his arm a little too much based on what I've seen. Um, and so he's different than Colin Hill. It'll be, uh, you know, I think what you'll see probably if you compare the two is, you know, if things do go wrong for Zeb, it's going to be more of a situation of why did he throw that? Uh, then, oh, why did he take that sack and hold on to the ball? So it's less frustrating to watch because, um, you know, that's the deal there. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see who starts. Uh, you know, I know it's a little unprecedented to activate a graduate assistant, and then he's your starter for the opener. But it does look like it could happen. So, and I, I told you guys not to rule it out. I kind of thought Brown would be the guy, but, uh, you know, that may not happen. You know, but I always said, don't rule out Zeb because he may be the best guy they have at this point. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, th this is not Colin Hill 2.0 from the standpoint of their different players. That would be like comparing Marshawn Lloyd to Kevin Harris. You know, you know, they're both running backs. You know, they both are very capable, but they don't they're not similar. I mean, they're different styles of guys. And so that's the deal. That's the deal there. And, uh, you know, like I said, it'll be game week next week. I'm sh pretty sure they'll have the starter announced. It may go into the weekend, maybe not. Uh, but that's uh, that's kind of where things are at. So, I, uh, you know, I, um, I think, uh, you know, whoever gets the gig, you know, you got to go out and manage the team. Eastern Illinois, the first uh, opponent, they play Saturday at 6. Uh, so they have a game before they come to Carolina. They play Indiana State. Those two schools are not that far apart, miles-wise. Um, so that's a big game for them against the Sycamores. And so they get a chance to get their feet wet before they come to Columbia. You know, do I think um, – do I think there's a chance for some sloppiness in, that, in the opener? Yeah, I do. Do I think Carolina's got a tremendous talent and – atmosphere and home field advantage against this team i do uh do i think it's a good thing that's who they're opening against yes i do and that's no offense to those guys uh but there's a chance there'll be some sloppy play i mean you know as is the case with every opener i mean going back even you know steve spurrier and his teams now spurrier's teams for the most they, they always they tended to open on that thursday night before the season they they didn't always have i mean it was very rare that they had you know, a team that you think they should blow out in the opener. I mean, Spurs' last two openers were North Carolina and Charlotte uh, and then Texas A&M in 2014 and 2013. I think they opened with North Carolina and Columbia, 2012 at Vanderbilt, 2011 East Carolina and Charlotte, 2010 Southern Miss on a Thursday night, 08 and 09. It was NC State 
you got to really go to like to 07 against Louisiana Lafayette and the Gamecocks won it a very pedestrian 28 to 14 uh, ball game. And so, and then they went and beat Georgia the following week <laughs> to a lot of people's surprise. Um, so openers, you know, and I look, I can hear it now from some people on the internet. Like if they go out and say Carolina wins like 31 to 10, something like people are going to, Oh man, you know, if Eastern Illinois crosses the 50, people are going to get upset about the defense. It's just inevitable. People are going to pick this apart, uh, and make crazy declarations based on one game. Uh, but we'll talk about that game when it gets here. We're still kind of in practice mode. But uh, I can see that as a likely scenario. I can see the Gamecocks thumping them. You know, I mean, it's just – it just depends. (laughs) And so we'll see sort of uh, how the quarterback situation works uh, with uh, Zeb Noland and then um, Jason Brown battling it out. But I'm going to say, too, I I, you know, people – the, the, the talk is, and, and I, yeah, and I, and I get this because look, Jason Brown has his fans, me included. I, I think the kid can play some ball. Um, and, and I think everything people say about his arm talent and his quick release and stuff, I mean, that, that all lines up. Um, you know, if I were just out there watching him throw on air, I, I, you know, I'd probably give him high marks, but it's not all about that. You know, when you're playing quarterback at this level, I mean, you know, that's obvious. So we'll see sort of what happens. I'll also say, you know, this decision is not above criticism if it doesn't work out just because, uh, you know, you never know. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of example. I mean, you know, think back, Dan Mullen, pretty good coach, right? A lot of you guys really like Dan Mullen and rightfully so. Well, Felipe Franks had to get injured before he was smart enough to play Kyle Trask. So, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Uh, you know, it, it, the, these decisions are, you know, not always – I mean, you know, look at Jalen Hurts and Tua at Alabama a few years ago. Uh, you know, like I said, these decisions aren't always, you know, cut and dry, and they're, they're not always the right one when you start out. But the good news is you can always, you know, go back and reassess and all that. I, I do know one thing for sure. Like Luke Doty was going to be the starter. I mean, there's no question about that, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, first and foremost, Luke has worked on his passing. When I saw him in practice, he was, you know, pretty much, I think he's like seven for seven. Uh, and it was 11 on 11, not against air. He had coverage. And, you know, he has a good release, and when he sets his feet and fires the ball, he can pass. He's a good passer. However, you know, the other part of his game that the other quarterbacks don't really have uh, is his ability to run the ball. And, and make no mistake about it, there, there's always been with Beamer a desire to, to take advantage of that, uh, dating back to before he got the job. Because, you know, Shane always – he kept up with South Carolina because th- this was his dream job and he wanted it. And I can tell you from talking to some very informed people that, you know, he kind of looked at it and the idea was, well, hey, you got – Luke Doty and then probably hopefully Gunnar Stockton, two dual threat guys coming up. And you can kind of do some things like Oklahoma did with Jalen Hurts and, you know, have a nice dual threat system. And uh, they were working on that. I mean, you know, Mike Bobo was actually working on that last year. Uh, did not get it completely installed because you're installing for Colin Hill. And then, you know, they had some run plays for Luke. And I, th- I think Luke too. I mean, I, I'm not saying Luke, uh, Luke Doty was this polished runner like Connor Shaw. He had some things to work on in that department as well. But, you know, his legs were were, were going to be an X factor for this offense. So, you know, and then he's got a lower – he's got a foot injury. And so that's going to – obviously, you got to make sure that thing's healed up before you go out there and, you know, plant your feet to throw, cut when you run, that kind of thing. You got to make sure you're healthy before you can go and take advantage of what he can do. And so, you know, now you, you look at it and you're, you're looking at the first two, three games, however much you, you got to sit there and go, Hey, all right, well, you know, what, what are you going to do now? And, and you got to adjust the offense uh, to your strengths that the quarterback can play with. 
Uh, EJ Jenkins returned to practice. We've talked about that. You know, I think that's an overwhelmingly positive thing. You know, Jaheim Bell, Nick Muse, those guys, um, you know, they're going to be big parts of, of the passing offense. Jalen Brooks, Josh Van, and especially DeCarry and Joyner have stepped up at receiver. I, you know, I think if they can get Amari and Brown and old Trey Smith, good to go. Um, you know, there's their five, you know, maybe throw a Rico Powers or Jakari Caldwell in there. There's six. So, you know, and, and that's in addition to the fact that, you know, Jenkins and Bell and some key beyond Mullins, they're going to be used split out wide too. So, so you know, you, you, you probably – Satterfield said in his press conference the other day they need seven. I, I think they're close to getting seven, you know, based on the practices that they can depend on. Now, does that mean this receiving core is going to go out and light it up? Uh, I would not say that right now. I, you know, everything that we talk about in terms of guys separating and having good practices is crazy in the scope of who's going to play for the Gamecocks this year, not what they're going to do against an opponent. You have to actually see them against an opponent, I think, before you can make that determination. And that's that's everywhere in college football. And even at that, I think that you have to wait till after the first game because sometimes those openers are tricky and sloppy and whatever. And anybody in college football will tell you the team improves the most from week one to week two. Uh, and, and I think most years when you're talking about South Carolina, that you know they have made that jump from week one to week two. Um, sometimes, sometimes not, <laughs> but sometimes, uh, most of the time, you know, so I, I think that's the deal there, uh, in terms of the passing game, what to expect, all that good stuff. And so if Zeb Nolan's the starter, we'll see what he can do. If Jason Brown's the starter, we'll see what he can do. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's the pole position belongs to Nolan right now, but, uh, like I said, Beamer has not. Uh, announced the starter yet and anything can happen in my opinion so we'll see kind of how all of it goes uh more news and notes it, it looks like you know if cam smith does not make it back for the first game uh darius rush is going to start a corner now rush has had a pretty good preseason there's some clips of him making interceptions on badly thrown balls on the internet, but Hey, you still got to make the pick. I mean, look, man, Will Muschamp may have still been coaching at South Carolina had JC Horn made a pick against North Carolina that was in his breadbasket on a poorly thrown ball by Sam Howell. So, uh, you know, you, you still got to make it. So it's nothing against Darius rush. You got to have the instincts to turn around and do it. Um, you know, when, when rush came out, I think CE Murray, uh, in the low country, Greeleyville, uh, one thing Lance Thompson liked about him, he was his recruiter, was he's a great athlete, you know, whether it's basketball, track, whatever. Uh, receiver where he was probably wasn't his game. Uh, and then he's been behind uh, pretty good players on the other side of the ball. And he's really just improved. You know, here's a guy from the state that, you know, and, and never give up on South Carolina kids, you know, in my opinion. I've seen too many of them over the years come to South Carolina with lower expectations and they end up playing at a high level. Um, never give up on South Carolina kids. Never give up on Darius Rush. And, and he's played his way into contention and taken advantage of his opportunity. R.J. Roderick's going to start at safety. I know some of you probably – are iffy about that given his struggles in coverage and the fact he opted out last year and all that good stuff. Shane Beamer says he's playing like an all SEC defensive back now though. And he's always had the ability. Um, I don't know what happened last year. Florida picked on him and all of a sudden it was just downhill. They tried to play him at linebacker some. I mean, it was a, it was a mess uh, as far as that goes last season, but RJ's already always had the ability. It's not that, not, you know, not that he's, not talented. Uh, the other safety is probably going to be former walk-on Jalen Foster, Burns guy. Um, I'll tell you this right now. If he wasn't one of the best ones, he wouldn't be up there, but he is. And, uh, you know, like defensive coordinator Clayton White said, they're still trying to build that room. You know, watch out for Tyrese Ross, the Washington State transfer. And then Jalen Dickerson's going to play some. You know, I just, I just don't know that they know how long he can go, like as a starter just because when you're that injured that often and it's been that long, you know, you you, you got to be careful. So 
you know, Tyrese Ross is there. Also, don't forget Jamar Brown is a safety now. He's been banged up a little bit. I, I think he's probably going to start at nickel um, or be in the mix at nickel uh, with Carlin Splatel, the transfer from Assumption. And then David Spalding's had some injuries, and he's the other nickel there. O'Donnell Fortune could play there too. So, you know, the secondary, I think, you know, there's reason to be concerned because you, you got to – you don't have a lot of big names back there right now with Smith being gone and then Prunty transferring out. Uh, and you have some guys that in the past have not played at a high level uh, and not performed well. You know, so there's reason for concern there. But, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how the response is by the DBs with a new coach um, in uh, Torian Gray, who's – you know, done more with less a lot in his career. And then a new defensive system with Clayton White where, you know, I mean, Muschamp said it over and over again. We put a lot on our safeties. Uh, well, they don't put a lot on their safeties in this one. It's not as much. You still have to make calls and think and assignment, play assignment, football, things like that. But there's not as much. So I'm curious to see how that impacts gameplay from some of these guys. And look, uh, Eastern Illinois is coming in. Uh, these guys may have a great game. Uh, I don't know. I think that'll go a long way towards confidence. Uh, East Carolina will be a step up. So we'll see how they play then. And then Georgia is going to be a big step up, you know, because I, I think if you're, if you're the Gamecocks looking down the road a ways in that game, you know, Georgia, and we'll see what happens with JT Daniels in the passing game when they play Clemson and, you know, then they got a game the next week and I think maybe Charlotte or somebody. Uh, and then they play the Gamecocks. You know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I would think stopping the run against Georgia would be paramount. Uh, and then you see what happens in the passing game. So what you don't want to have happen in that game is like Grayson Lambert uh, a few years back when Georgia just took the Gamecocks to the woodshed, completing pass after pass after pass after pass. Uh, you know, you, you don't want that. But I, I don't know that we're truly going to know much about the personnel, like truly, uh, until after the Kentucky game, you know, because Georgia's got a tremendous talent advantage across the board against just about everybody they play, not Clemson, not Alabama, but most most teams. Um, and then you got East Carolina, who you should beat on the road, and you got Eastern Illinois, who you should beat at home. Uh, that Kentucky game is probably going to tell us. It's it's probably going to tell the tale uh, as far as exactly where some of these guys are individually. Uh, and that's not till the end of September. And that's just college football. You know, I think you have to take more of a realistic approach. Uh, I, I know I am personally, uh, just because, you know, when you really think about the logistics of it and the, you know, the, the reality of it, it kind of t- takes that long. In this particular sport, there's no preseason. There's no way to gauge, you know. So it, it sometimes takes that long uh, for, for for you to figure it out individually who's going to be good and who's not. And with the way the schedule sets up this year for the Gamecocks, you know, that's my thing. I think after that, you know, we're going to know to a certain extent. Uh, and so there's that. So Zeb Nolan could be the starting quarterback. Who would have thought that? Who? Zeb Nolan. <laughs> and so not Norlin. Uh, I know I messed that up. I heard from many of you, uh, but uh, Zeb Nolan, uh, I think he's 25 years old, you know, in the pole position right now to be the starter at South Carolina. Uh, and so we'll see kind of what happens there. Uh, basketball recruiting note real quick. Gigi Jackson from Ridgeview. I think that's where he's from. Uh, Columbia kid. Gamecocks are doing really well with him. He's one of the big timers here in the state that, you know, South Carolina, you know, is, is kind of trending for. That's 2023. It's a long way away. There are other schools like Virginia in the mix, but, you know, talking to a contact the other day and kind of reading the reports from John Whittle on the big spur, you know, GG didn't like some of the others. I mean, he, he could be a guy that ends up, uh, being a big-time recruit for Frank Martin. And uh, I know some of you love to hear that. Now, <laughs> before you write him down and put him as part of the class, you have to sit there and, you know, understand the, uh, you know, plight that has been in-state recruiting for, 
most basketball coaches at South Carolina. But um, there are some, you know, people involved with his recruitment that uh, give the Gamecocks a reason for hope. Baseball note, Jerry Myers uh, reunites with Jim Toman at Middle Tennessee, going up there to coach with Storm and the Blue Raiders. Good to see him healthy and back in the game. You know, he's a guy that uh, – he's a legend at South Carolina. I mean, you know, Calvi wins a national championship. They bring Jerry Myers back. They win another national championship, play for a third. Uh, he was going to stay on with Kingston and stay. And then, you know, whatever happened, happened. And they brought in Skylar Mead. But uh, that is a uh, that is a good deal for him and certainly happy for him. Wanted to mention that briefly. All right. So the I Help Consulting mailbag, as we always like, if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help you save money with your business on expenses. Whether you think you may be paying too much for credit card processing, chances are you are with that. I mean, just just say it. As someone that's been there, done that, chances are you're paying too much. Um, Internet, insurance, or anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. So, you know, if it's insurance, you're not going to sit there and have your employees go from a $15 copay to a $75 copay <laughs> to save a couple of bucks on the premium. Um, and remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my good friend, Daniel Owens at I help 843-372-5713 or visit ihelpconsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? And once again, if Daniel can't find you any savings, you don't have to pay him anything. So, you know, there's no risk. Be sure to tell him get that uh, JC inside the Gamecocks podcast sent you as well when you give him a call. All right. There's two ways to get in the I help consulting mailbag. First, you can tweet to at the big spur pod. Uh, and we encourage you to follow at the Big Spur Pod on Twitter, follow Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. Those are our social media channels for this podcast. Uh, first one comes in, Joe Sports Caller, a frequent tweeting, a frequent tweeter of questions to the pod. And he says, JC, what's stopping Gamecock fans from building an NIL fund specifically to fund walk-ons cost of tuition like BYU so everyone's cost of attendance is paid for? would be a tremendous recruiting opportunity and opportunity for everyone on the roster. Uh, the answer to that is absolutely nothing. There's nothing stopping Gamecock fans and people that love Carolina and care about the team and the programs across the board. Uh, if you own a business or whatever, from getting involved in doing that. And so, you know, and that's been my, my, my focus on this whole thing is that, the tendency around here a lot of times has been to blame whoever's in charge, be it Ray Tanner, the board of trustees, whoever you want to make into the Gamecock boogeyman. Uh, when many times, you know, the, the South Carolina people, you know, need to step up. And uh, that's not a, that's not with everything. You know, that's, that's not with everything. I mean, that's, uh, you know, certainly Ray Tanner made a hire that did not work out with Will Muschamp in football. You know, he, did what everybody else would have done and hired Holbrook in baseball. Uh, you can debate Mark Kingston's tenure, you know, and those are the three guys he's hired um, in the three sport major sports. Uh, we don't know what he would have done had there been a basketball change last year, but uh, I'm not saying Tanner and the administration are, are not above criticism. I think he takes some undue criticism at times. Uh, I think some people very much so confuse uh, wins and losses, you know, with like Ray's like the coach of all coaches and he's directly responsible for losses and stuff that that drives me crazy. You know, we'll never be good as long as he's the AD. Nah, it has nothing to do with it. You know, um, and he makes the hires. And when the verdict is out on the hires, if you make too many big hire, bad hires, you, you, you need to be gone. But we're not there yet. Uh, so anyway, now with NIL, you know, I've heard some people, well, oh, Tanner needs to get it together on this. Nice. No, it's, it's not him. It's uh, it's the Gamecock people. 
So you have to, uh, you know, you, you, you have to kind of take matters into your own hands in, in this NIL world if you care about the Gamecocks. And so that's, uh, you know, the answer to your question again, Joe, sports color, absolutely nothing. Nothing stopping the Gamecock fans from doing anything with NIL. I personally think those of you that care about basketball, if you've got the disposable income and a business, you know, you could, I mentioned Gigi Jackson earlier, you know, you, you could really help the men's basketball program. Uh, with this because there is, you know, money involved in that particular sport, be it NIL or otherwise, you know, when you, to compete with that, you know, you're going to need something like that. Thank you, Joe sports caller. I really appreciate it. Ricky says at the big Spur pod, what's going on at quarterback? Could Zeb start? Is that a bad indicator? for a GA to come in and off the couch, so to speak, and win the starting job. Thanks for the intel. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, if you, if you want to say that's a bad deal, you know, a guy coming from FCS that hasn't played in two years could be a bad sign. Um, you know, having to start a guy in his second year could be a bad sign. I mean, you could – you could. that's all surface level. You know, I, you know personally, I, I, you know, when I watch Zeb – He's not, he hasn't been a perfect quarterback during his career and he's made some mistakes. And, you know, once those mistakes ended up being too much to handle, he's gotten benched uh, last spring, but he has a chance, you know, you don't look at him, you know, this is not Kevin sides and, um, you know, Kyle Crabb and Mikhail Goodman from 1999, Um, you know, uh, this is a, uh, you know, a, a different situation. It's not as bad. But um, I uh, I do think that if you want to know the truth, you know, Luke Doty needs to get back. And the only people that didn't think that, you know, the coaches didn't think that Luke Doty was not going to be the starter. The other players didn't think that Luke wasn't going to be the starter. The assistant coaches didn't think that Luke was going to be the starter. The only people that really, you know, thought that were, were, you know, the quarterback Taliban on the message boards that haven't been happy with any quarterback at all, um, basing their decision on, um, basing their decision on, uh, you know, a handful of plays in a spring football game and, uh, you know, the three game stretch with Doty last year in a different system in a bad situation on a team that was bad, that couldn't play defense and, you know, or that could play defense for a half while he was in there. Another two games they didn't. Uh, and he was very green. You know, there's no question about that. I'll, I'll take you back. I mean, you guys remember in 2008, Stephen, you know, South Carolina had Tommy, tr- trotted Tommy Beecher out there in the opener and then went quickly back to Chris Smelly. Um you know, and and then, you know, would rotate Garcia in and out as a redshirt freshman. True freshman year at 07, he redshirted. He didn't play at all. Um, and Steven wasn't ready to go that year. I mean, he excited some people with his legs and, you know, gave him a spark. I mean, an unbelievable debut at Kentucky that year, saved the game for him. But, you know, there were some growing pains. Connor Shaw was the backup as a true freshman. Played, I thought, admirably uh, against Auburn the one time he got to play. But you know, it, you know, these guys take a while. Not not everybody steps in as a true freshman and plays well. You know, most don't. Most get better between their first and second year, and Luke Doty's no exception. Um, and these guys aren't lying. Just like Mike, but and look there's going to be a certain amount of the fan base because of how the season went and how Colin Hill deteriorated as the year went on. They're going to never forgive Mike Bobo for playing Colin Hill over Ryan Holinsky, though Ryan Holinsky did deteriorate as the year went on the year before. Uh, and I understand that, but, but there were, there were, nobody was lying about that last year. I mean, they, they were on the hot seat, you know, they could, they, they were getting fired if, if things didn't go well. And so, for that reason, you know, you're like, uh, you know, you just don't know why, you know, I mean, it's hard to believe they would have gone with anybody but the guy that gave them the best chance to win. Same with these guys. They want to win. 
Uh, and they had a plan. And look, and look, Luke Doty, this is funny to me that the same group that, you know, the, the quarterback Taliban or whatever, uh, that just trashes Doty based on a handful of plays. They're the same people that whenever South Carolina gets a three-star commit, for most part, the same people. Some of them are realistic. I don't want to blanket everybody here, but uh, when Carolina gets a three-star guy or something like that, you know, it's like, oh, they're just not recruiting well. And they just they just trash, you know, uh, the recruit before he's ever played a, a snapple. If that's your 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 idea, you know, Luke Luke Doty was the number eighty six player in the country. He was a top one hundred prospect and a top five dual threat quarterback as a recruit out of Myrtle Beach. You know, maybe maybe people just don't. I don't know. I don't know. So see, there's a disconnect there. Uh, but you know, top one hundred guy for a reason, and uh, there, there's nothing that says you know, that, that he can't end up being a really good quarterback at this level. Uh, will there be some growing pains this year when he gets back? Absolutely. Absolutely there will. But, you know, it, is, is he the guy that gives Carolina the best chance to win uh, and maximize its season? That that's, that's proven to be true as of right now. Now, look, let, let's, let's, stranger things have happened. I mentioned the Kyle Trask thing the other day. If Zeb Nolan or Jason Brown's the starter and they're lighting it up, let's say it lasts through three games and they play surprisingly well at Georgia and offense is going up and down the field, you know, it may be hard for Doty to come back. You know, that, that's just reality when it comes to football. But right now, you know, the Gamecocks need him to get back, you know, based on how things are going right now. Uh, and when the, the game starts, it's a different story. You need to get him right back. Um but, you know, in and of itself is the fact that a graduate assistant who, re, you know, just got reactivated, so to speak, is contending for the starting job. Uh, you know, when you look at who it is, because, see, I look at who it is, then, you know, specifically in terms of, like, what's the, you know, what's the surface level on that. So that's, um, you know, that's my guess is, you know, is, is Zeb Nolan – going to be a really good starting quarterback in the SEC for South Carolina this year. He would have to improve quite a bit. You know, is he a guy that can go in and get him through the first couple of games? You know, absolutely. Just based on looking at him. Uh, and so that's the deal there. So, uh, you know, there we go. There we go. Thanks Gamecock Ricky. Uh, and that does it for the tweets in the mailbag today. We're going to go to, uh, to the um, inbox inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Got a lot of new guys emailing in. We welcome that. Uh, I think I went through 11 total questions <laughs> on uh, Saturday. I think we got, you know, five or six today. So that's awesome. I love this part of the podcast because it lets you interact. It's not a live show, so we don't take calls or anything like that. But uh, I love to hear other people's opinions and voices and, and answer questions because it just kind of makes for a better podcast. Jeremy says, JC, by far my favorite source for Gamecocks Intel. I'm grateful for all of you and your employees' content. It's always honest and positive, which in turn hypes up the fan base. Uh, I was wondering if you could expand if you guys work hand-in-hand -hand with assistant college football with recruiting, or if that's illegal, don't you dare answer this. I don't want to be that guy. Thanks and love the pod. No, we don't. Um, we, you know, and, and this is anybody in the recruiting business that covers recruiting, that talks recruiting, that, that, that analyzes recruiting, which has been the bulk of my career. If and Look, I'm not saying that no guy, zero people in the history of this profession have never lived in the gray area or whatnot, but um, – the rule is, and what I've always followed is don't insert yourself into the process. Not once in my career have I ever told somebody where to go. Not once in my career have I ever said, you got to look at this school. Not once in my career have I ever trashed any school, even if that school is trashing the Gamecocks or whoever, you know, where I have connections. Uh, you just don't do that because you're not credible when that happens. If you want to do it that way, you know, you need to go uh, get on with a staff and work in the recruiting department, work those long hours, and uh, take your shot there. Because 
there's really no place for that kind of crap in our business. Now, I'm not saying it never happens, um, you know, because I've heard of some some anecdotal instances of it happening. But, um, you know, I've never done it. And most of the people in this business that I respect and have worked with have never would never be called dead doing anything like that. And um, that's just how it is. So, no, we do not work hand in hand to help recruit. We just don't. I mean, you know, we uh, with with contacts and sources at, at all schools, you know, you, you if you hear, you know, if you get info or anything like that, it's helpful to pass it along. It's a symbiotic relationship. But you know, there's no working hand in hand and strategizing and saying, all right, well, you know, I'm going to tell this guy this or this guy that, you know, I need I need to encourage this guy to go here. We, I've never done that. Quite frankly, if, if it ever comes to that in our business, I need to get out of it. Um, just because I, I don't believe in it. I think your job's to report, analyze, uh, own information, accurate information on the subject, um, and uh, bring information to fans. You know, th- th- that's the bridge with us is between the fan base and, and recruiting, uh, the recruiting space, because, you know, coaches can't talk about recruits before they sign. It's an NCAA rule. The NCAA hates recruiting i'm I'm convinced because I, I they can't make any money off of it you know you can't monetize it and so i think for that reason they're upset um and then you know not a lot of people are at the lower levels you know which are the people that right now truly sort of have outsized influence in the ncaa that's why the constitutional convention or whatever that's coming up so fascinating you don't need the athletic director of buck mail chiming in on major college football recruiting that's just not <laughs> that's stupid. Um, you know, but they hate, they don't like it. So you can't talk about it, can't do this. They've tried to shut it down. You know, the the two signing days, I think, was uh, an attempt more so than anything to to diminish signing day. And all they did was move it to December and make it even more big and you know, inconvenience, you know, coaches for bowl practice and stuff like that. But um you know, that's the thing there. But no, no, to answer your question, nah. So, Darian says, any more 2022 receivers we're in a good spot with now other than Antonio Williams? Saw that Dane Key and Jaden Gibson have crystal balls to other schools. Yeah. Um, Dane Key, a lot of people think he's going to stay at home. We go to Kentucky. Jaden Gibson obviously is a crystal ball to Florida. I can't rule the Gamecocks out with either one of those guys. But – I wouldn't say that they're in good shape. Uh, I think Antonio Williams is the opposite. I can't rule out another school for him, namely Ole Miss. A lot of people think the Ole Miss connection is going to play a factor, and obviously Lane Kiffin has a really good offense. Um, you know, so can't rule out Ole Miss, but I think the Gamecocks are in pretty good shape. They've done really all they can. I mean, with with Antonio Williams and Oscar Delp, the two probably the two targets you got your eye on the most on offense. They, they've just done an unbelievably great job. But as I've said before, you know, uh, recruiting decisions are based on comfort level. And you can have great relationships and uh, a player could be really comfortable with your staff and, and, and being in the building and hanging out with your players. But, you know, maybe they're not as comfortable as they would be going someplace else that's, you know, putting a lot of points on the board winning ballgames. You know, so so that's, you know, that that's the kind of sliding scale you have to consider, <laughs> you know, you know, so many people, I think, just look at it from a, you know, they're getting them or they're not. Uh, and then they kind of, there's backlash. Oh, a lot of good, that building, that relationship. Yeah, I guess relationships don't even matter. No, they do. But recruiting decisions are not based on relationships alone. They're based on comfort level. And so, you know, you could be very, very comfortable with the coaching staff, but uncomfortable with the product they're putting on the field and go elsewhere. Um, and that's the thing. Dane Key, for example, here, here's a guy that, you know, has a good relationship with Justin Stepp, the, the Carolina coaches. Uh, but he's, you know, maybe he's not comfortable going that far from home. Same with Jaden Gibson in Florida, you know, so that that's the deal there. Uh, I would anticipate if they miss on all these guys, for them to be very active in the transfer portal with receivers. Uh, and I don't know that that's not going to happen anyway this offseason, you know, as far as the portal goes. Also, 
you know, like we talked about last episode, if they expand the number you can take, uh, I think that work on the portal will start almost right away. And he says, the second part of Darian's question, do you see any way we get Juju the ball this year where he can actually impact the game or you think his time will come in future years? Thanks again. Love the podcast. Um, you know, for reasons I'm not going to disclose, I'm not going to mention the other podcast you mentioned. And it's not the Spurs Up show either, by the way. But anyway, uh, you know, as far as being a running back, uh, I think it's hard because you, you got Kevin Harris coming back, who's the SEC's leading returning rusher. You have Marshawn Lloyd, who I mentioned at the top of the show. Zaquandre White has had a huge offseason. Rashad Amos is very talented. Uh, but the word, word I got on McDowell, I talked to a contact Saturday night, is that he could start other places. You know, which is South Carolina has a lot of guys. Now, as far as, you know, being creative, I think a lot of people – just automatically assume because he's a return guy, well, just put him in the slot. Well, he, that's easier said than done. You know, you, you have a guy that's a from scrimmage runner and you put him at receiver, that's not always easy. Um, I do think there are different ways they can get McDow- McDowell involved in the offense, and they probably will. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I've, I've heard, like, use him like Percy Harvin and <clears throat> use him like uh, I'm not going to choke up and – almost die like I did the other day, uh, or Ace Sanders and, and all that. And, you know, they could, you know, have some plays for him where he splits out. But uh, that's easier said than done with a young man that's been a running back. You know, uh, Ace was a receiver coming in, if you remember that. Percy was a receiver coming in to Florida. Percy's also a lot bigger than Juju and Ace. Um, but uh, – I think as far as impact in the game, he uh, the return game has me uh, perking up a little bit with, with the possibility of him back there. And, you know, he, he's performed well enough this year to where he deserves to get on the field. I just, you know, at actual running back, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you, you've got a lot of guys that are going to get carries, uh, you know, at running back. Um, and then we'll see what Juju can do. Five nine one seventy seven freshman from Lee County in Georgia. Uh, regardless, you know of where he actually, how much he actually plays, keep his name in mind because I, I think he's the type of guy that's going to impact the program one way or the other moving forward. Great questions, Darian. Do not be a stranger, my friend. All right, final question comes in from Tim. JC, I'm kind of relieved that the graduate assistant from Iowa State and North Dakota State looks to be first team until Doty gets back. Kids has kid has lots of experience and probably has a better chance of getting through the first two games without a loss. Your thoughts, Tim? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not ready to say Jason Brown would lose those two games. Uh, I think that's a little bit over the top, to be honest. You know, I, I think Brown has improved and and done some really good things, really nice things. Uh, I think where the disconnect comes in with some people is that they thought Jason Brown was going to push Luke Doty and not that we would be sitting there talking about him trying to hold off, you know, a graduate assistant guy for the, for the the backup job, you know, Uh, and that's just people not listening to reports and reality. Yeah. That's people ignoring you know, the reality of the situation. And and again, having outsized opinions about some throws in a spring game. So that's the deal there. And so, uh, you know, uh, do I think, you know, Zeb Nolan gives him a better chance to win if the coaches, if he does that and he, you know, if, 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 you know, if, if, if <laughs> what I am told and I don't believe that it's not true. He's been moving the team better. And if you're moving the team better, that's you should play. You know, you don't want, you know, let's say Brown's having problems executing some things. You don't want turnovers. You don't want three and outs, you know, with incomplete passes and things like that. You know, if you're going to throw it incomplete, it's going to be because the other team covers you or, or has a great play on defense or something like that. You don't want just throwaway plays. You know, and and that's what's going on is that Nolan has less throwaway plays. You know, he's efficient, if you will, and uh, and I don't think he's an I don't think he's like an untalented guy either. 
Uh, you know, I, I think he's got some talent. I, I think things have not gone well for him at the college level. And there's probably things that, that scare you a little bit, you know, about putting the ball in jeopardy, trusting your arm too much, trying to do too much, that kind of thing with him. But if he's moving the team better, that's the guy that should play because what you want to have the first two games um, – and maybe Doty will be back by East Carolina, but what you want to have is an, an efficient outing. You, you, you want to move the ball, you want to go up and down the field, you want to score points, that kind of thing. And you, you don't want a clunker out there uh, on offense because then your entire offense is going to get out of rhythm and, you know, that, and probably not have confidence. And as we, I mean, the, the first three games are like steps, you know, step up, step one, Eastern Illinois, step two, ECU, it's a little tougher. Step three, Georgia, it's a lot tougher. You know, so, so you want to ba- you want to manage those steps. And I, I think that, you know, they want to be efficient uh, against EIU and uh, and go from there uh, and have a nice win. You know, if you – I think, you know, and like I said, I, I could see the Eastern Illinois game being sloppy, to be honest with you, just because there are a lot of guys that haven't played. Eastern Illinois will have a game under its belt. Uh, you know, they're going to be, I mean, they haven't played in an environment like Williams Bryce is going to be that night, but, uh, you know, when you've played a game and the other team hasn't, you're, you know, like I said earlier, you get better between week one and week two. So they'll come in with that improvement. Um, you you know, so, so, but what you want to do, I mean, you, you sort of lose the art of the blowout win, um, and Muschamp and his guys weren't too good about this. I mean, there were some blowout wins where they refused to bench guy or refused to substitute. The Akron game in 2018, I thought, you know, first of all, I thought everybody that wanted Skarnakia after that one game was a little bit, you know, misinformed, just like a lot of you know, his quarterback position. The quarterback Taliban declared Skarnakia the starter, if you will. Um you know, but in that game against Akron, you know, the Gamecock started off well. It's 28 to three against the Gamecock defense. The zips were not going very far at all. It was clear. Gamecock defense played really well that one. Bentley in that game started hot and then started misfiring. At that point, is Skarnacki his last home game? I'd have put him in and, and not let Jake continue to struggle. Because that bled on into the bowl game and, and all that, you know, I, I sort of felt like – and there's two ways to look at it. You can say we wanted him to play it out. But, you know, there was no danger of Carolina losing that ball game. And so, you know, I, I don't know that they always did a great job of substituting in blowout wins. And, and, and we'll see what these guys do in terms of that philosophy. But a blowout win, you know, it, it's not that exciting for fans to watch. But – you know, it gets a chance for Juju McDowell to come in and get significant carries at the end of the game. It gets a chance for, you know, a couple of quarterbacks to get in and play and get valuable experience. It gets that, that the second team offensive line uh, has is is full of pretty good players, you know, which is good for the future. But it gives them a chance to get snaps. Uh, some of these young defensive backs, Ladarian Craig is a player that's really played well as a freshman so far in the defensive backfield, it gives them a chance to get snaps. All these guys that are just now getting into college football, they get to play in practice the next week. Nobody's hanging their head because they didn't get to play. Everybody got on the field. Everybody feels like they contributed, and they're they're all fired up. And so that's the beauty of a blowout loss. Steve Spur, or excuse me, gosh, why did I speak that? Blowout win, blowout game, and, uh, you know, as far as morale. And and so – you know, this program, Shane Beamer, the head coach, the coordinators coming in, you know, they could use a, a blowout win. You know, the, the, everybody could use a blowout win rather than, you know, how some of the other openers have gone over the years where it's a, it's a struggle. You know, I'm trying to think of blowout win in an opener. For Muschamp, it happened one time, uh, but they, they, you know, Muschamp's openers were Vanderbilt, NC State, Coastal Carolina. That was the blowout, 49-15, North Carolina and Tennessee. So those aren't exactly, you know, an FCS team coming in. Uh, in fact, I don't think the Gamecocks have opened with an FCS team since 
1987 and Appalachian State. I would have to check that for sure, but I think it's been that long since like an actual FCS team was the opening opponent. Um, I'd have to check that, but uh, you know, that's the thing there. So, so, you know, a blowout win would do this team, this program some good. I mean, regardless of the opponent, whoever it's against, you know, if the game guys go out there and win 52 to six, it's not going to mean that, you know, they're going to have a repeat of, of 2010 through 13 around here. <laughs> uh, it's just going to mean everybody's feeling good and confident going into what's going to be a tougher test against East Carolina than an even tougher test against Georgia. Both those games are on the road. So, you know, that's the deal. Tim, thank you for your email as always. And thank you to iHelp Consulting uh, for sponsoring the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Uh, also, thanks to Heritage Digital for sponsoring the news and notes segment of the podcast. Please, please, please patronize those businesses, folks. It's a uh, it's uh, kind of what keeps the podcast going. And uh, both are designed to save you money and a lot of heartache uh, when it comes to your IT or your business expenses. Uh, so please help me out and do that. Also, continue to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Pods. Uh, a lot of good ratings and reviews. Appreciate that. Please go rate it five stars. Write a review if you're so inclined. Uh, that helps get help us remain because right we're ranked the no, if you look at the metrics and the the people that rank podcasts we're the number one Gamecock podcast and so that helps us stay that way. I haven't checked those rankings in a while. Maybe we're not number one anymore, but uh, I was surprised and flattered that we were to begin with. All right, this is JC Sherbert inside the Gamecocks podcast. You all have a fantastic Monday. We'll be back with more this week. Holla at you soon.